everybody, and welcome to Laughing Liberally Milwaukee, the podcast, brought to you by the Shepherd Express. I'm your host, Matthew Filipovich. Every episode, I'm going to bring on one of the regular comedians from Laughing Liberally Milwaukee, which, when we're not in a horrible, awful global pandemic, is a monthly live progressive political stand-up comedy show. We're going to discuss and joke about a news story, and then we'll talk a bit about comedy. I am so excited that our guest this week is the hysterical Jasmine Gonzalez. Jasmine, thank you so much for being on the show. I am so excited to be here, Matt. So Jasmine, in our latest edition of Our Crumbling Democracy, uh, today today we're going to discuss how the 2024 presidential election might actually not be decided by the people who vote. I mean, because who cares about the will of the people, right? But instead, by who is the Secretary of State and the Governor of Wisconsin. So, oh la- god. I know, right? Jeez. You tell, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so, I will tell. Last month, Jay Scroder, uh, who's a Republican who's running for Wisconsin Secretary of State, said the following about Donald Trump's 2020 election loss. He said, "Quote, the Secretary of State has to sign a sheet of paper for the election. I wouldn't have signed it." Period. That means they wouldn't have been awarded. End quote. So apparently, here in Wisconsin, the Secretary of State attaches something called the Great Seal to our electors that are sent to D.C. Historically, it's just ceremonial, right? I mean, it's called the Great Seal. Uh, and like all caps, no exactly. less. <laughs> yeah, precisely, right? And it's something uh, that prior to Trump, we just thought Secretaries of State just did. They just put the little seal on. It's all well and good, right? But now, now there actually is some concern and some legal questions. Would our state's vote count Without this great seal, if some rogue maniac, horrible partisan secretary of state just said, eh, I don't like the result. And so it's not just the secretary of state, potentially, potential secretary of state. It's also the potential governor candidates. So the top two Republican candidates for governor, who are right now Tim Michaels and Rebecca Kleefish, both refuse to say if they'll certify the next presidential election if the Republican loses, with Kleefish saying even further that the best way to get a Republican president is to get a Republican governor. I mean, you have to admire the honesty of those who will tell you to your face that they're going to cheat. They're not going to cheat quietly. They're going to cheat loudly and proudly, but it is wild and scary. Jasmine, what are your thoughts? I... Oh my God, (laughs) my goodness. I I almost don't even know where to begin, but it is amazing to me how much effort is going into this platform of elections suck, but also vote for us, but elections suck and we're going to cheat at them regardless of what happens. And what's really interesting, so I just read this book. It's actually coming out this week. It's called Milked, How an American Crisis Brought Together Midwestern Dairy Farmers and Mexican Workers by Ruth Conniff. And something that's really fascinating about this book is the idea that like a lot of these farmers who voted for Trump in 2016 really didn't like the guy. They're like, well, he's racist. He's sexist. He's kind of a loser. Like, I'd rather not vote for him. But he is pandering to farmers saying he's going to give us aid. He's going to bail us out, etc., So like, you know, as farmers, they're like, well, I'll vote for that guy. He's giving me something. And so it's like, that's how easy it is to have a platform in Wisconsin. You could literally (laughs) run on the platform, like make the dairy state great again. And that's it. Yeah. But instead, like they're putting all this effort into like, well, let's just like not have a platform, not pander to anyone and just like cheat our way through the like elections. And it's like, just like, I don't know, offer money to farmers, like, just <laughs> literally pick something and run with it. And yet you have all these GOP people who are just like not picking a single stance, but like 
the great seal of the secretary of state being like a thing they want their hands on. Like <laughs> I just, I just can, like if I ever run for like a statewide election, like I'm just going to go for farmers. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. <laughs> well, it's so frightening too. And I think, I think now, especially after Trump, but especially after Roe, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I think anyone who thinks like the courts will save us or, or think that like anything is really secure anymore, hopefully I've, I've been shaken awake, right? Because it's like all it takes is just the certain people to say, no, you no longer have these rights. Like, so the, the secretary of state might, maybe they could just say, no, this, this, these votes don't count. And then it just takes the right judges to say, yeah, you know what? These votes don't count. And then it just, that's it. And then, and then, and then it's gone, which yeah, is, I mean, which is frightening. Until we like actually like put things into law. So like if we pass a law saying like, okay, whoever has the great seal can do X, Y, Z until that's like put into law, we literally are relying on like legal scholars and attorneys and judges to interpret like whatever is in current statutes and then decide which interpretation is best. And yeah, as you just said, with the Supreme Court, it can literally come down to like, well, I interpret it this way and therefore that's the like law of the land. And it's like, holy moly, is that just a lot to leave to like a couple of people to just decide for the rest of us? Yeah, it's really it's really wild. Well, one thing, and it's it's wild and frightening and depressing, but you know something that's not wild and and frightening or depressing is the fact uh, is your comedy. So what I've been, uh, what I always ask the comics who come on here is how comedy and COVID has treated you. I know recently you haven't been doing a lot of performing. You're you're an improviser. You improvise with the inter- with interchange, and mm-hmm. I know recently you've just gotten back in the game of doing performing and teaching. What brought you back now? What what exactly brought you back to do? Doing stuff uh, at this point? I mean, one of the reasons that I went into comedy to begin with um, years ago was for community. Like I've never been much a big, like a big theater kid. Like I've, I've never really thought that I'm particularly funny. Like I know you're, I am. And I can get people you're to laugh. Funny. Yeah. You're very yeah, funny. But you know, I've like, I guess I never thought like, oh, I want to be like a funny person. So I really went into improv because I was coming off of a really like shitty breakup and I was like, I need instant friends. I need an activity that can just like make me feel good and just be like very therapeutic. And I think coming back to it post COVID is a lot of the same feelings of like, oh my gosh, I miss my friends. I miss seeing people in person. I miss just being able to like shake it off and like in a way like the beauty of improv is you're creating these like imaginary worlds, right? Like you and your performers are in this space. You're creating these like temporary worlds that don't exist. And like, that is something that we really need right now because the world around us is just awful. And if we are going to creating change or organize, or like even just make it through or the waking hours without just like breaking down and sobbing, like you kind of need that escape to that temporary world. And so that's, one of the reasons why I really went back in, I've been a little slow to returning to performing um, just because it is as a performer, I think you need to have like a certain amount of like joy that you can pull from um, and just like this ability to like share that with others. And I think a lot of us are kind of running on like empty to like half empty tanks. Yeah. Um. So it's like, it's tough. And it's like, it's tough to want to perform when like, you don't even feel like you're at a hundred percent. Um, but I've been going back to like teaching because that kind of gives me a space to be like, okay, I might not have all the energy to share with people for laughs, but I can at least maybe inspire other people to do that. And it's just like really nice to be in like a safe, non-judgmental space where like you're just playing with people and you're watching them grow and you're still having a good time. 
Yeah. Well, if people want to follow you on social media, if people want to find out where you're, I, I know you're currently, I think, in a session of classes, but when your next classes are, where can they find you and, uh, and where your classes are being held? Where can people find you? Um, yeah, so the theater, the Interchange Theater is on Facebook and Instagram as the Interchange Theater Co-op. Um, the website for that, I believe, is the interchange or interchangetheater.com. Um, and yeah, all that information will be coming up shortly. So my current session of classes is coming to an end in a few weeks. Should be starting up again, maybe like August or September. And yeah, would highly recommend if you just want to like for two hours, you know, a week, come escape from the world and just kind of laugh and shake it out. Like that's the place to be, and I'll be there with you. Yeah. Also, you you're also uh, reviewing books too. What, what real quick, let's pl- plug that too, because those that's really really a great uh, a great thing you're doing. So. Uh... Oh yeah, for sure. So I am a bookseller with Porchlight Book Company. Um, we don't have a brick and mortar. We kind of sell more business to business, but I do write book reviews for them. That's just porchlightbooks.com. And the book that I plugged earlier is called Milked by Ruth. Again, that's coming out June or July 12th. So mm-hmm. it's going to be like fresh off the presses. And I got to say, as like someone who's worked in like liberal, you know, politics and all this, like this book really opened my eyes and made me realize, wow, maybe we should listen to people on the other side sometimes and figure out why they're acting the way they are, because there's so much nuance. I think when you get down to like the everyday man and you realize like, oh, like they're in the shit with us too, you know, and we're all kind of in this together. And maybe, maybe we can prevent Trump from becoming president again if we just bridge that divide a little bit. I, I, I only hope you're right. My <laughs> God, uh, I yeah. hope so too. <laughs> Jasmine, thank you so much for what you're doing and thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, everybody, I want to thank you so much for listening to episode 51 of Laughing Liberally Milwaukee. We have new episodes with a new comedian on the first and third Wednesday of every month. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find out more at laughingliberallymke.com. Until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll see you at the next Laughing Liberally Milwaukee.